Hello my friends, Jacob is here one more time and I'm excited to share this show with all of you. It's just so incredibly mind-blowing. The Bible has changed. Has it changed? That's uh, going around on social media. A lot of people are flipping out. There's like this viral video of a couple of different Bibles that have been this video right here and in the different translations it looks like they're removing parts of the Bible, like getting rid of it. A lot of people are up in arms about this, but I, I, I told everybody, hey, look, it's probably because it wasn't in the original manuscript and, and the newer translations, the ones that have a little more, you know, a little more research in them, they take it out. But that's not why I'm talking to you today. Not just about that. I'm going to explain in a second. It's about the Bible's been changed from day one. Okay, I don't know if you know this, it's canonized. 66 books. Depending on the translation, things are translated different. Things have been added into it. Things have been taken away from it. How do I know this? Because I've been studying the scriptures my whole life. It's important. The scriptures are important. Jesus said, though, problem is a lot of people, they search the scriptures. They think in there they got their internal life. That's, that's all there is to it. But... They don't even really understand them. That's the thing. So the verses in question, it's from Matthew chapter 17. This is my King James. It's an old Bible. I've had it forever. Okay, and the uh, the verse in question, by the way, we're also going to talk about Mandela effects in the Bible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I got to tell you something. I've been studying scripture for a long time. My website, jacobisrael.com, one of these corners has the uh, the actual the uh, the website. I have like hundreds of essays that I've written. So scripture's been an important thing. When the Mandela effect kind of broke for me, I started doing videos around 2015, 2016, because I knew things were different. I think things have been changed, but we're gonna start the video off by just dealing with this one verse that this video over here says was uh, taken out. It wasn't taken out, just newer versions basically pulled it out because it wasn't actually there. The, the verse in question comes from Matthew chapter 17, verse 21. So in King James, it's actually there. You can see it right there. See it? Okay. And basically what this is, there's a, uh, a possessed kid. He's like have seizures. He's all bouncing around. He's acting crazy. And the disciples, they're trying to uh, heal this guy. The guy who's possessed, right? Possessed by devils. And if you've been on the channel for a while, you understand that a demon is, uh, it's a lie. <laughs> so I, I, ultimately, really, it has to do with people believing things that aren't true. Believing things that aren't true that can manifest in your body. Like you can believe, you know, that you're going to be, I don't know, possessed by devils. And then you start to become like a crazy person where you're hearing all sorts of nonsense. I'm not going to discount mental disease or anything else, but I'm saying... According to scripture, it has to do with uh, lies. Father of all lies is the devil, right? The father of all lies, there's no truth in him. And a messenger of Satan, which is actually a Mandela effect, as you're going to see, a messenger of Satan would be a lie. So what would cast out this lie? The truth. But the problem is people don't really have a firm understanding of the truth. And the problem is today people don't really have great faith. That's actually what the lesson is in Matthew 17, verse 20 through 22. Here's the thing, but this, it gets weirder. It gets weirder. So let me just start this off. In, in Matthew 20, Jesus says, because of your unbelief, for verily I say to you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say to the mountain, remove thou hence, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. And then verse 21, which is in the King James, but not other translations, says, how be it? So he's basically saying, it's because you don't have any faith. But in this case, see what I mean? Doesn't really make a lot of sense. He would just give the answer. He says, because you don't have any faith. And that's why other translations, like this one right here, if you look at it, there's no verse 20, there's no verse 21. And you'll see that in between verse 20 and verse 22, it says Jesus predicts his own death. That's really why I wanted to talk to you. Because this, 
this viral video that's going around where everybody's like, look at what they've done. These terrible people, they've actually taken out a very important passage of scripture, which by the way, was never there. It was never there, it was added. And actually, sometimes when they translated passages from one scripture to another, they would bother, borrow from other books, like they borrowed from Mark 9. But in Mark 9, the same account doesn't even mention fasting, okay? So it's, let me explain why fasting is not that big of a deal. It is beneficial, I get that. I'm sure it has health benefits. That's not my point. Intermittent fasting, may, may, you may lose some weight, but that's not the point. Fasting, the fast that God asks of, in Isaiah 58, we find out is to do good works, to loose the bands of those that are in prison, to, you know, to help those that are hurting, to, to, to be compassionate, to be kind. This is the fast that God wants. He doesn't care if you don't eat your, 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 your food for seven days or you go, you know, you, I'm not going to eat any more chocolate for the month. That's what this whole thing of Lent is all about in the Catholic Church. You give up something. It's like a work. This is not what the fast that God wants. He wants us to do good things. Let me pull that up for you really quick. Let me uh, grab it. I know I have it. It's Isaiah 58. I'm just going to read. just going to read this chapter for you. Okay, true fasting. See what it says here? That's the title. True fasting. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob, their sins. I hope my kids are not going to be a bunch of sinners, and I hope a bunch of you that are watching here aren't a bunch of sinners. The Israelites, we want to do good things. We want to be kind. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation of what does right, as if they have not forsaken all of my commands. They ask me for just decisions. They seem eager for God to come near to them. And they say, why have we fasted, they say, and you've not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and not eaten for like a couple of days and you didn't do what we wanted, basically? It's like as if, they, as if you fast somehow. God's going to, he's going to act on your behalf. Like you can, it's, it's, a, it's a work of man. And this is not the fast that God wants. I'm not saying that fasting is important. I'm not saying that like Esther and, and other books where fasting is included. I'm not saying that that's not a, a key. I'm sure that there is some benefit to it. But in this passage in particular, the one that everybody's freaking out about, it never existed there. The cast out devils, you don't need to go, like if somebody's possessed, right? You just need faith. And you need to, you need prayer. You don't need to, you know, I'll help you in a little while. Hang on, let me go and not eat for a month. I mean, that's just not the way it works. Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please. You exploit your workers. Your fasting ends in quarrels and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. He's basically saying, like, you guys do these fasts. You do these things, but then you condemn people. And then you share video after video and you, you enrage people to hate other people. There's a lot of that going around. A lot of this baiting of people who have different races. It's terrible. It's not reality. It's witchcraft. It's like, it's such a psyop that I, I, I wish people could stop looking to the outward man and understand that God looks to the heart. And not listen to everything that the algorithm feeds you in fear. Fear is a disease, people. It'll get you sick. You gotta have faith. You can't fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen, God says? Because this is what it's all about, right? It's about not eating. Is this the kind of fast that I've chosen, God says to Isaiah? Is it only for bowing one's head? Oh, look at me, I'm not eating. I'm so, oh, I'm so hungry. Oh, look at me, I'm so, I'm, I'm such a devout, righteous person. Look at me. I haven't eaten any cereal or any muffins for a week. I don't like the muffin man. Is it only for bowing your head like a reed? For lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day that you think is acceptable to the Lord? Then God answers and he tells everybody what the fast is that he wants. This is the fast. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? You want to fast for God? 
then this is what you need to do. To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke from their ankles. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor and wanderer with shelter when you see them naked? To clothe them and not turn them away from your own flesh and blood? Is that not the fast? To do good things? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be behind you all the time. Then you will call on my name and I will answer. You will cry for help and I will say, here I am. That's the fast that God cares about. But everybody wants to be about man's works. You know, so when I saw that, when I saw that post that was put out, I said, this is nonsense. I said, this is mankind and their magic. You know, oh, we do a couple of things. What's, what's the difference? Do a couple of things, a couple of rituals. The scriptures say we should move on. We should move on to the greater works, right? Put aside all this other stuff. It's time to move on to, to the righteousness of God. But how many people really want to do that today, right? How many people are really good-hearted and kind and forgiving and compassionate today? I know a lot of you are. Hit the like button, will you? Hit the like button if you, you know that the, to do the good things in the world to, to help the Lord is a good thing. How many of you are doing good things today? That's fasting. Are you fasting for the Lord? That's what God wants. Once again, I'm not negating any other fast that is in Scripture. But there's another reason why this viral video struck me. It's because in between those two verses that are being discussed right now, Jesus predicts, Jesus predicts his death a second time. Jesus predicts his death a second time. Didn't he only die once? That's a mystery, people. That's a mystery. Because remember, he said, those that pick up their cross and follow me, those are the ones that enter in. So really, that verse, the reason why it's become mainstream news, and, 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 and the reason why a lot of people are, are talking about it right now, is to draw our attention to that. So then I say to myself, well, Lord, is that the day we're in? Are we going to see some kind of persecution? Revelation 12, 11, those who love their lives not unto death. That's 12, 11 days in between those two eclipses. That's what I've talked about. Are we ready to lay down our life for the Lord? I don't know. I don't know. I hope that we have the courage if the days come. But I find it strange because he said this. He said, listen, in verse 22, when they came together in Galilee, Galilee means an endless cycle. You know, we're going around and around and around and around. It's ironic. Galileo, Galileo means round and around. And he's the one that says the earth was round. Okay, besides all that, Galilee, you men of Galileo, you in an unbroken circuit. He said, he said to them, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him. And on the third day, he will be raised to life. And the disciples were filled with grief. Are you filled with grief today? Are you upset and worried about these things? I'm not so much. But the Bible has been changed, yes. Without a shadow of a doubt, the Bible's been changed. It's been changed many times. They've added stuff in. They've taken stuff away. They've twisted things. That's why you got to listen to your inside voice. You know when you're a child and you're in the house and you're too loud and they say, use your inside voice. you got to listen to the inside voice. you got to listen to your intuition. I remember many, many years ago, when everybody was talking about baptism and baptism was a thing and I like got baptized like a million times. I know what it means now to be immersed with the word of God because the water is the word of God. It's, but the literal act of doing it, the literal act of doing it is like kind of a symbol of what spiritually we must do. But the literal act of doing it isn't gonna cast out the devils, right? So if you like literally, it's like you have to have faith and you need to be praying. Now here's where it gets weird. So as I'm expressing to everybody what the fast of the Lord is, it dawns on me. When Jesus was tempted by the devil, he was fasting 40 days, 40 nights, symbolic birth, 40 weeks in a typical pregnancy. He was fasting when the devil came. If fasting is to do good in the world, to do the works of God, 
to loose the bands of those that are in chains, to feed the hungry, to clothe the, those that are, are cold, and to give shelter to those that have none. If that's the fast of the Lord, if that's what Jesus is doing in the wilderness in our heart right now, guess who comes attempting? The devil. The devil comes attempting anytime. Any time that we're doing the works of God, any time that we do good, the, the devil's going to come. But how does Jesus handle it? He handles it by trusting in God and not his works. He knew that no matter how much the devil tempted him and tested him, and tried him, all these thoughts that come to our minds, right? He knew that it was just important to just trust in God and trust and have faith in God and not your own understanding. And he resisted the devil, and guess what happened with the devil? The devil flew, flew away, right? The lies, the liar. How do you cast out devils today? What sets you free from a lie? The truth, the truth sets you free. Now there are mysterious and incredibly weird changes going on in the scriptures. I have a playlist, the Mandela Effect playlist on this stuff scriptures that we thought we knew to, to, that we knew very very well that i knew very very well i wrote essays with one scripture in particular that doesn't even exist anymore so i know there's been some quantum funny business or some change to the simulation or some time travel there are a lot of ideas behind the mandela effect but i know firsthand that all of this stuff there's more there's more and when you start to hear more of the examples that I'm going to share in just a minute from the scriptures, it's going, to, it's going to freak you out. But before I do that, I want to tell you, I want to tell you that it's important for us today to do the fast of the Lord, to do good for other people, to be kind and to be helpful. And one person right now um, that you may not know, but is a friend of mine. When I was a writer for WWE, I was the uh, one of the head writers there, and I created this group i took something that vince wanted to do he kind of want to make fun of you know a group of people that didn't like excessive violence and nudity and stuff like that on tv he wanted to make fun of that and i took that and i ran with it created a group called the right to censor the head of that his name stevie richards his real name get this michael manna michael means who is like god manna from heaven so Stevie, he has a great channel. I've talked about it. He's like just a fitness guru. Hey everyone, this is Stevie Richards. Welcome back to the Garage Gym. In today's video, we are going to demonstrate how to do assisted dips using a resistance band. And this video is based on the very popular video here on the YouTube channel. He's a, he's a beautiful human being. I've been friends with him for a long time, but he, <laughs> they're so spiritually significant and sound. He's going through a really hard time right now. All right, slow and steady. Scary, unstable. I already took a few steps on the little board. <laughs> like Robocop walking around. Good job. I've been watching his channel and he's he's constantly so fit and he's doing all this stuff and then all of a sudden I see him you know with a walker and he can barely walk and I tell Danielle I said Danielle what what is going on what happened to Michael I reach out to Michael Michael's so so like so wonderful he's like yeah we'll talk about it you know things are getting better I'm on my way I'm mending and everything else and you know, he really wasn't, I went to his channel and I immediately, he has this playlist called The Road to Recovery, where he's sharing his his recovery. This guy went from doing like the most amazing things physically to all of a sudden, he's, he has to learn to re-walk again. This is an amazing thing to me. And so I reach out to him and I say, I want to do something for you. I want to help you out. I want to, I don't know what I want. I want to tell people about it. And he, he's like, oh, don't share any PayPal. Don't, I don't want any donations. I don't want any, I don't want any help. I just, you know, just, you could tell people about the channel. I just want to share my journey. I'm, I'm telling you all, if you can help this guy out, he's an awesome dude. And his story is amazing. He was bit by dogs, Michael Manna bit by dogs and it became an infection and it, it, it attacked his spine. 
the tree that's in the center of the garden, you know, the nervous system. That's just so spiritually profound to me that I had to share it with all of you. And I had to remind all of you the fast that God wants is us to help people. So if you could help Stevie out, if you, his legit name is, is Michael, if you could help him out, go subscribe to his channel. You know, leave a comment, tell him, you keep kicking butt, dude. He's sharing videos that he's already taped before he got sick, he almost died. Yeah, poor, poor guy, but what a wonderful human being and one of the few people that I'm still very good friends with from my days back in WWF. Now it's WWE. He's got a big YouTube channel. Check it out. Look into it. Help him. He's a friend of mine and um, it breaks my heart to see him go through. But I know that this is going to be such a great, such a great testimony to so many people to watch him come back to strength again, to come back to health again, and to see that, that, that God can take us, bring us to our knees, and then build us back up stronger and better than ever before. So keep kicking butt, Mike. We got you, baby. Is this not the fast that the Lord has asked for? Whew, that's the thing. So let's get into some Mandela effects. So this is the way I wanted to do this. I figured, you know what? I did a video six years ago, six years ago. I'm just, I, I have a, a, a big part of it. I'm going to share it with you and it's going to blow your mind. <laughs> so if you want to, you want to see scriptures, a lot of them, you know, like there's a couch is in scripture now, right? This, the sick of palsy, they were on the roads with their couches because of course everybody brings their couch outside. They even create a couch until later. So watch this and I'll see you at the end of it. Hello, my friends. Jacob is here. Thank you again for pressing play and for spending some time with me. We're about to enter a new year. Oh, how exciting that is. Okay, so I've been getting a lot of requests. A lot of requests. I mean, tons and tons of requests for more Mandela. Um, in particular, changes that have been found in the Bible, the scriptures. King James Version in particular, because that's the only um, Bible that I've studied from. And um, that's the one where most of these changes are being found. And I have found quite a few that haven't been mentioned. And they're really, um, they're really disturbing. And towards the end of the video, I personally have irrefutable proof that these things have happened. Um, personally, I wrote an essay about Paul's thorn in particular, where a pivotal verse in that essay, the pivotal verse, the only verse that really mattered in the entire essay that I wrote back in like 2009, is now missing, doesn't exist, historically speaking. We're not talking about new changes, we're talking about changes that have been made to the Bible, Bibles that you may already have, Bibles that your grandparents have or your great-grandparents have, Bibles that are in museums. They no longer are read the way we collectively remember them. Because just like all of the other weird changes to movies, to logos, to body parts, to land masses, the Bible has changed. And the change in particular today that I'm going to mention, this one pivotal verse, really is, uh, is very disturbing. I'm also going to be talking about a uh, connection with CERN. <laughs> Some more stuff has popped up. I did a video on this. If you haven't seen it yet, please go back and check it out. So we're going to find the connection with CERN to these changes. And not just that, but this crazy little hum this worldwide hum that is being recorded everywhere all of a sudden around the world. And last but not least, yeah, that's right. They are now comparing Trump to uh, Jesus. They are saying that he is the new king. And um, some of the things that have just come out within the last week or so are a lot of people are up in arms about. We're going to dig into this, this Messiah that they are now calling Donald Trump. And um, is it all connected? I think everything's connected. I think it's all linked together. And today we're going to find out why, because buckle up, people. We're about to enter the Bible Effect Mandela Zone. As I said in the open, um, these are changes that I'm going to be talking about in the 
King James Version, the 1611 King James Version. So please don't put comments on there saying, hey, my NIV hasn't changed or this hasn't changed. Guess what? Turns out they're starting to follow suit. Um, we're finding changes in the other versions, but today I'm only dealing with the changes found in the King James. Okay, so now I've done videos on this. Okay, I'm going to try to just give you a little bit of background a little background, a little history. We're going to start off with some of the most famous, okay? The lion and the lamb dwelling together. This is found in Isaiah. You can find pictures online where you'll see a lion and a lamb together, and they will reference that quote, and you'll see the quote written out. But the difference is, right now, Isaiah 11:6 reads, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb. The wolf, not the lion. I know that that's probably, uh, that's probably not news to a lot of you, just like you don't put new wine in old bottles, which actually was wineskins. We all know it's always been wineskins. They didn't use bottles back then. But you may know about the bottles. You may know about the lion and the lamb. But did you know that back in the day in scripture, in the King James, um, the word couch was there. Couch! Yeah, that's right. Um, when the apostles in the book of Acts, um, what, what they would do is they'd bring the sick and they laid them out in the streets. And the verse used to go, they would lay them out in the streets on their beds and, you know, and their cots, their cots. But now it... <laughs> It reads in Acts 5.15, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow them and they may be healed, right? Couches, right? Eh. The word couch was never in the King James before. The word couch didn't even exist until... Yeah, the word couch was never in the King James before. The word couch didn't even exist until, I think it was, 1895. It was invented by a man named J. Wellington Couch. Not only did they not have couches back in the day, uh, thousands of years ago, but they didn't even have the word couch in 1611 when the King James was written. That's why in Luke 5.24, which reads, But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He may say unto the sick of palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up your couch and go into your house. Yeah, the sick and palsy, you know? They're laying there in the middle of the street on their couch, and he heals them, and he tells them, pick up your couch, bring it into the house. Yeah, because that makes a lot of sense. It was never couch. It was either bed, it was mat, or it was cot. But the Bible has changed. And did you know that in the, uh, you know, the faith chapter, one of my favorite chapters in Hebrews 11, um, when they were talking about, you know, how people could do all things with faith. By faith, you know, they did this, and by faith they did that, and they, they, um, they fought armies and sent them flying, and, and by faith they believed that this would happen, and it happened. And, and it's a great story for us all to learn that with faith all things are possible. Well, guess what? In Hebrews 11.34, did you know by faith they drove away the aliens? Yeah, that's right. The word aliens is in scripture now. Um, it doesn't make a lot of sense because it never existed there before, but now it reads, Hebrews 11:34, quench the violence of fire, escape the edge of the sword. Out of weakness they were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, and turned to flight the armies of the aliens. You don't know about me. Um, you may know that I was a TV writer and producer for about 20 years, head guy at WWF, uh, when it was WWF, head guy at a lot of other networks. Um, I was also the head writer and producer 
the main guy at one of the largest Christian television networks in the world. Yes, it was very strange um, because I got there and obviously I share a very, a, a, a very different view of, um, of things that, than religion. But I was there and I, I wrote a talk show and a, and a kid's show and I did a lot of other things. Um, but you see, at this place, this place, which, you know, I got to, I got to know many, many um, so-called important people, you know, from Joel Osteen to T.D. Jakes to Benny Hinn to all of these guys. Got to meet them all. Got to see them firsthand as if God himself placed me there so that I could see, um, you know, the world of religion. And, um, and I'm glad that I was there. And I, I was like Jacob when he was working for Laban, you know, the sheep shearer. I was like a shepherd. I was a writer. And I was doing what I could to influence the world in a positive way. I say all this because this network, they had like this one primary motto, right? And it was about preaching the gospel because the gospel must be preached to the ends of the earth, right? Okay, so we've all heard about it. Guess what? That passage, um, it doesn't exist anymore. The gospel is no longer preached everywhere. It is now published in Mark 13. And the gospel must first be published among all nations. Published. Yeah, they didn't really have publishing houses back in the day. It's there now. Yeah, and did you know that uh, Jesus, he gave out investing advice. Sure, he told people that, you know, you should put the money in the bank so that it can collect interest. The bank. Here's another one. This is another one that I, I um, wrote an essay on. Uh, and it's, 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 it's great, uh, where, where John is talking about he that comes after me is preferred before me. It's a beautiful allegory about how, you know, the second nature of man, um, the first us, you know, we have no idea how amazing life is going to be. And I know that things are hard for us now in this, you know, first idea of who we are. But, you know, when we are born again, if you will, um, it's, you know, we're not even worthy right now in our ignorant state to understand and comprehend the beauty and the majesty of that second nature of man, that born again nature of man, that Christ man, if you will, that's found within us all, that hope of glory, which is Christ in you, which this message uh, John was trying to get across because he, he's kind of symbolic of that religious man. Uh, he says that he that comes after me is preferred before me. And he, he said, you know, that, the one mightier than I cometh, the latches of whose shoes. That's right, Jesus wore shoes all of a sudden. You see, that passage was always about the sandals and how John was not worthy to unloose his sandals. But now, in the book of Luke 3.16, it says shoes. Jesus had shoes. This is one that, yeah, you know, a lot of people that go to church um, have heard of many times when they're receiving communion, the Eucharist, if you will. It's the Last Supper. And in Luke, you know, he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave unto him saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Well, the next line has changed. Um, likewise, now, and it doesn't even make sense in Luke 22, Luke 22, 20. Likewise, also the cup after supper saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. So the cup is the New Testament in his blood, which is shed for you. Doesn't even make sense. By the way, the word testament wasn't there. It was always covenant. It was a covenant. See, there's a difference between the word covenant and testament. It actually changes the whole meaning of this. A covenant is a contract. It's an agreement. It's, um, it's a legal contract. It's biding. So when this blood that was shed for us, it was a covenant. It was a contract um, that through it we could all be saved from the ignorance that is in this world. A testament, on the other hand, is like, you know, when somebody dies. 
It's like his last will and testament. It's a person's will has nothing to do with that passage. And yet now you don't find that word covenant anymore. Now let me get into, before I get into that one change that I was talking about in Paul's Thorn, I want to get into the fact that now you find the word stuff everywhere. <laughs> yeah, stuff, right? It's not merchandise, it's not goods, it, it, it's stuff now, right? Now you find the word stuff everywhere. Okay, so in Genesis 31:37, listen to this, okay? This is the King James, all this beautiful flowery old English mixed with the word stuff. Whereas thou hast searched all my stuff, what hast thou found of all thy household stuff? Set it here between me and my brethren. Okay, bottom line is, the word stuff didn't exist. It never did. I've read the Bible many, many times. I've men read many holy books. I've written on my website, jacobisrael.com, there's over 300 essays that I've written over the last 20 years or so that I share freely, that people read. Thousands of people have been reading these essays. I know the scriptures pretty well, right? Now, I could be wrong on some things about the Mandela effect. Memory is not to be trusted. But the word stuff didn't exist. Just like I know that a foolish person builds his house on sand, not earth. That parable about building a house on the rock, on Christ, on the truth, on wisdom, is, is smart for us all because we're supposed to build our life on the truth. And if we don't build our life on the truth, we're foolish. It's as if we've built our lives on sand, which when the storms come and the floods come, you know, the house falls apart because there's no great foundation. It's all about the foundation. And the fact that the word sand doesn't exist anymore and that it was replaced with earth is suspect because it doesn't make any sense. Another change that I know for sure was not in the 1611 King James. Now let me get to the passage that freaked me out the most, okay? Um, I wrote this essay called Paul's Thorn. It's basically a lot of people didn't know what Paul's Thorn was. I explain it, it's pretty simple. Okay, I, I can sum it up right now for you. Sower goes out into the field and he sows seeds. Some of it falls among good earth, okay? Um, some of it falls among thorns. And the thorns grow up. You know, the, the seed is the truth. It's the word of God. Your word, O oh Lord, is truth. And so basically, someone's telling you the truth and it's sowed into your heart. And the thorns that are inside, well, they basically grow up and they strangle it. So the disciples say, well, what are the, what are the thorns? And Jesus says, they're the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. That's what the thorn is. It's the, uh, the cares of the world, the sins of the world, the deceitfulness of riches. And I tied this all together with this one pivotal verse that is found in 2 Corinthians 12, 7. And the verse, Paul is talking about how, you know, he said, I was given a thorn in the flesh. And he was, he was telling people, he said, you know, out of the abundance of revelation given to me, God sent a messenger of Satan to buffet me. He was basically saying, so that I don't think that I'm so great, I was given this thorn in the flesh. It was a messenger of Satan. Satan is the father of all lies. A messenger of Satan would be a lie. The lies of the world, the cares of the world. He dealt with the same things that we deal with. We all deal with the cares of the world. That's so that we can learn about grace and how that we must trust that there's a bigger plan because grace is sufficient for us. But the pivotal verse here was God sent the messenger of Satan. God sent. Now, I actually referenced this in the essay where I put that passage up and then I referenced the fact that this last line is the most important, that we know that God sent the messenger of Satan, which means that everything that happens in our life is there for a reason. That God is in control of all things, which is why we shouldn't be stressed out about this stuff. God sent the messenger of Satan. Well, guess what? doesn't exist that way anymore. Now this is the way it reads. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above all measure. The lines are repeated. They don't make sense. It doesn't read right. And the very important verse, God sent the messenger of Satan, no longer exists 
and I know it was there. This is one of my most popular essays. I've taught on this subject. Take a look. But I'm not the only one. Because I was thinking to myself, well, I can't be the only one that came across this passage and wrote about this because it's such an, a profound revelation. So I looked it up, and guess what? This guy wrote the same thing. Now, it wouldn't make a lot of sense, because if you were reading the essay now, the reader would say, well, hang on a second. It doesn't say God sent the messenger of Satan, so why would you reference that? because it no longer exists. It did exist. But not just that guy. Look at this guy, too. And, of course, that very famous pastor, Charles Stanley. All of these people pointing out the fact that God sent the messenger of Satan, and now it doesn't exist. Now, look, I... I don't know at all, right? And as I said before, memory, you can't really trust it completely. But there are things that I do know, things that are ingrained within me. I mean, I've been studying scripture for over 20 years. I've been writing about it for years. I was the writer for the largest Christian network in the entire world. I, I wrote all of the copy for about nine years. I, I ate, breathed, and slept scripture. So people, I know that these changes have happened. And I can say that I have some things that have made me question the things that are going on right now in the world, okay? I did a video about CERN where I said that, you know, possibly behind it. I mean, you know what? Hey, CERN is actually located on um, a temple that was built in Roman times for Apollyon, the destroyer, which just so happens to be the... Uh, the, the one that was given the key to open the bottomless pit that brings about all of this nonsense. In CERN's happy video, there was a little Easter egg, an old man holding a sign that said, Bond number one and Mandela. And the Bond number one was Barry Nelson. He was the first one to play Bond in the TV series. You put them together, you get Barry Nelson Mandela, which brings us to the Mandela effect. Sort of a little like in your face Mandela effect, people. We're behind it. CERN is a spooky place, you know? This, this collider, I mean, look, the bottom line is this, this bottomless pit that is supposedly opened by that key, well, guess what? The LHC, the collider, they were given the key. Their mascot, the destroyer, Shiva, proudly displayed. And let's forget about the fact that earlier this year, you know, they, the scientists, they thought it would be fun, you know, to put on a human sacrifice. They all got their robes and they dressed up and, you know, before uh, the altar of Shiva, they, you know, pretended or literally murdered someone who was naked. Crazy, you know, right? These are, uh, they were just making joke, right? They were just blown off steam, right? An investigation that yielded nothing, by the way, but was definitely leaked to the internet so that we could all see that this is what they're doing there. Let's not forget that their logo is 666 to begin with. Let's also try to overlook the fact that the Gothard, that satanic, horrible <laughs> display that took place at the Gothard tunnel opening, I did a video on that too, check it out, um, where Baphomet and, uh, you know, was running around and, you know, <laughs> having sex with people and raping people and demons were flying around and all that craziness. And it was all about giving birth to the Antichrist, who would then, you know, basically rule the world and all the leaders and heads of state would bow. And of course, on that big screen, we saw images of the Collider, 
We saw images of them bowing down and worshiping time. Time going backwards and going forwards. And then at the end, they celebrated the opening of the abyss. Is there a connection? I think there probably is. I think it's all connected. A lot of people think that we could be living in some kind of a simulation. Philip K. Dick, the guy who wrote Blade Runner, I mean, he, he was, I think it was like Electric Sheep Don't Dream or something. And just a, a, the man in High Castle. Guy's like a genius sci-fi writer. He always had this one common theme. And here is a clip from him telling everybody about the Mandela Effect. We are living in a computer-programmed reality, and the only clue we have to it is when some variable is changed and some alteration in our reality occurs we would have the overwhelming impression that we were reliving the present deja vu, perhaps in precisely the same way, hearing the same words, saying the same words. I submit that these impressions are valid and significant. And I will even say this, such an impression is a clue that at some past time point, a variable was changed reprogrammed as it were and that because of this an alternative world branched off we don't know what's going on but i know that god is real i know that we're here for a reason and i know that our faith can affect things if we say to that mountain be cast into the sea it'll be cast into the sea if your kid is on drugs or having a problem faith faith noah went through a hard time you know, and why wouldn't he? You know, th things were hard for him when his mom and, um, you know, she had some issues with the guy that she was with and I had custody of the kids and it was just, it was hard for him because those are the formative years. He went through a time when I was just, I felt so bad. He had a health condition we didn't know about, a heart issue. So I prayed, I said, Lord, help his heart, help his heart. And I had faith. I knew he would come through. I knew he would come through. Didn't really get into trouble, trouble, but I could tell that he was depressed and I could tell he was down. And I felt helpless to help him, but I prayed and I had faith and I left it up to God. I gave it to God and I said, change his heart, Lord. Let him have a heart that's filled with joy. Guess what ends up happening? Ambulance comes one day. He has an attack. They realize he has this thing called Wolf Parkinson's something syndrome. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a big deal with the electrical circuits in the heart. We go in, he gets it fixed. He's got a new heart and it's operating on time, the way it's supposed to operate. And he's working, he's back. By the way, he's back, he's out of the hospital. Poor kid's been through a lot. He's back out of the hospital, he's healthy again. He's even starting to go back to the gym, which gets me upset because I'm like, take it easy, take it easy. But, you know, prayer, faith, all of these things are important. If you wanna fast and you think it'll help, that your faith in it will help, but it's not a prerequisite, it's not a requirement. Fast God wants is for you to do good things. So I hope you do good things today. I hope this video helped you. I hope that it encouraged you. And I hope maybe it opened your mind to more. Don't put your faith in just this. I mean, listen, I love the scriptures, right? But Jesus said very clearly, you put your faith in this and you don't get me. Christ said, this is a problem. You gotta go to God. Remember, before the scriptures, there was God. Adam didn't have a Bible, okay? He had a relationship. Abraham didn't have a Bible. He had a relationship. Moses, he started the Bible, but he had a relationship. Have a relationship with God today. Seek more. Ask for more. Pray for more. And do me a favor. Make sure you're subscribed. Hit that like bell, will you? Will you share the channel around? Tell people about it. If you want to grab some merch, get some merch. And, and um, if you want to have a link for uh, Michael's PayPal in the description of the video, if you want to help him out even though he said no 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 and I said dude you know it's like if people want to help you let him help you you don't have to he's all right he said he's all right poor guy I love each and every one of you I'll talk to you soon bye bye September 10th Mars hangs closer to the earth than it has in 6,000 years.
like the light that led men from the east to a child in a manger, it could well be a sign of good things to come. Thomas James shall be his name. The world will change because of him. In the small town of Bethel, in a time not unlike our own, a child with a great purpose is born. Years later, alienated by his peers and abused, Thomas suffers a devastating loss. When it appears he has nothing left to live for in the world, this is when his true calling begins. While trying to escape the sinister powers that be, a terrifying vision haunts him. Miraculous events seem to follow the peculiar young man as he struggles to come to terms with what he was born to do. The stage is set. The time is at hand. The truth will rise and a revolution will begin. The startling revelation of who Thomas James is, truly, will change the lives of those around him and set off a chain of events long ago foretold. There is more to this novel than one might think. Inside these pages hides a treasure just waiting to be discovered. So if you've ever wondered if there's more to life, or why it is we suffer, and this story will not only captivate you, it may just open your eyes to a truth that could set you free. Find out what is in us all that makes us heed the calling.